The Money Show. Shapeshifters. So Saturday at the Frontier Literary Festival, I was asked to talk to White Besson. I had him for an hour at the Ingea Kerk in uh, French Hook. And it's a beautiful venue, uh, beautiful wooden paneling everywhere. Wonderful, big, cavernous space. A bit of an echo, but that's fine. Um, and you will hear White Besson talking about part of the conversation we had with him on Saturday. I started off this part of the conversation by asking him about... The decision by ShopRite to withdraw from eight of its African markets it has basically suggested that these markets are unprofitable. Whitey Boson making the point that he sees it differently. The demographics of the African continent, 2 billion people by 2050, as many as 4 billion people on the African continent by 2100, necessitate thinking differently about how to serve those markets into the future. And so I asked him if his former colleagues had made a mistake. If you look, I think I left in 2017, the diluted earnings per share at that stage was 8.6, rands 60 cents. Right. 8 rands 16. It went down as far as 6.69, and it's currently at 8.18. So 8.60 was still, in 17, it was still bigger than today by whatever sense. But if you take the inflation growth just at 6.5% for five years, that works out that 37, you should have been 37% better off. Yeah. That's missing. So they, they shouldn't use Africa as an excuse uh, that, that that is now where they lose money. It's not, not factually correct in terms of... And, and you can have that checked. It's but particularly with... The, the potential growth opportunity. And I mean, and, and it's a difficult growth opportunity as Walmart has discovered with the acquisition at your behest, because I think you were worried that they were going to come in and either buy pick and pay and give you a club there. Um, but you, you suggested... I was you, worried about that. Yeah, yeah. Why did you buy Massmart instead? Did you know that it was going to distract them and keep them very busy? I actually helped them. Did you? Yeah, the guy who came there for the Watson was in my office and he said, we'd like to buy ShopRite. I said, I'm not sure if it's up for sale, but ask Crystal because I knew he was going to tell them the same. And I said, I know it very well because Mark Lamberti and I are very good friends that ran MassMart. And I gave Lamberti, I actually helped him do the second biggest because he, was, he didn't have space for all those big stores. Because I wanted him as a partner for Africa mm. to do the non-foods in Africa when I could concentrate on the groceries and the Los Gritis. And then I, and I showed them, I, it's, this is what you should go for. Look at this, Massmart, Lamberti's prepared it. Typical, he's a Walmart man, look at it. And they took it, Luke Klein and Sinker, and they bought it. So I was very happy that they, that they bought Massmart. And then they messed it up with, a, with a, getting game on shelves. Uh, and really, and I don't want to say, Walmart is a fantastic company. I learned a lot from them. I spent a lot of time. I used to spend 14 days a year in America with David. I don't know if you can recall David Watkins. He was this no. number two guy at Pick and Pay at some stage and he went to live in America. And he, he helped me to take me to all the different companies in America that was on the up. And I took three or four, five, ten sometimes of the guys with me and the same as I did with the unions, and we went there and worked in the actual shops. They allowed us to actually go 
and work in the bakeries and whatever you have. So, so I was pretty clued up in, as to what they were doing. And Walmart was one of the companies who were streets ahead of everybody else. But there were other companies doing... Kroger's is now the number one, I think. I spent a lot of time with them as well. So, how can I now describe it to you? You have to manage it. And when, when Walmart bought, I thought they would come with real serious oaks that were traders. But by then, old man... Sam Walton had already passed on. I, tried, I actually missed him by three weeks. Yeah. I was going to see him in, in Bentonville, and I sat in a lift shaft for the whole night because there was one of these things that turned the red circles on the TVs. So, uh, when, they, when, they, when, the, when the weather comes in and they sucks you out of the window... Oh, 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 tornadoes, yes. Hurricanes. Uh, uh, I was in a, in a... Context is important. Right, we've got this. I was in a tornado coming down the streets, and we could see it coming through, with a guy, Daryl Fine, who I think he weighed about 400 kilos, and, and, and he used up all the oxygen in the lift shaft. <laughs> so that was my meeting with Sam Walton. I was in the lift shaft. Didn't see him at all. Uh, and then the next morning when it was gone, we stole uh, 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 balonies and stuff from their fridges because they didn't offer us food that night. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually in their fridge just cutting up baloney and bread. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, I thought they would get those guys in, but they brought computer guys in. You know, they worked some yeah. out in the uh, after hours. And I said, no, we had a, and I, when I saw them trading, I thought, no, that would be, that would be wrong. And the second thing I did was I, appoint, I, I spoke to government and I said, you must keep them listed because that puts a, a, a barrier on their heads because nobody likes to go out there and your, your children at school says, oh, your share price dropped by 25% or 30% or whatever it was. So I knew they couldn't do business decisions because if they could do that, they could do it out of their petty cash. They yeah. could destroy South African retail out of their petty cash. But I had them listed and I see they're trying to shaken this listing and I always say to the guys when you play now, just keep them. Let them report back to like the church. You report back to the, to the congregation after a while. <laughs> uh, what, what makes great retail? Hard work is number one. Hours and hours of hard work. And then if you can get a combination of professional people who enjoy the humdrum of being a retailer that is what you require to make a team work. So I, 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 I had a hard time finding enough retailers, old school retailers, that could go to the next generation or to the 50, I think we were the 55th biggest company in the world. I couldn't find enough people to get there. So I took young chartered accountants, lawyers, etc and said, you're going to get a good job, you're going to get a good salary, you're going to get shares, shares which is always a difficult one. So, so we had to go that way to, to, to train people uh, to run the company after my time or through my time. And if you look at the management of ShopRite right now, they're fantastic guys. They really are. Peter Engelbrecht is a hard worker. He comes from a poor background. He's got a CA. He's very strong 
competitor, Joe Bronze, runs the, the, uh, the liquor stores. And most of those guys that are there are really fantastic. My worry about ShopRite right now is that I've got this fantastic middle management, executive management, and I've got a board now who's very much like the Walmart board. What does that mean? That means that they don't know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Boards in South Africa, non-executive boards, really are not related to their business. And you saw that in Steinhoff, you saw it we'll in... Get, we'll get there. Okay, well then I'll leave it. I won't, I won't do a, a bad note on whoever his name I was going to say. You asked me, but that's the problem. And that can be the downfall of ShopRite over a period of time. It happens slowly, does it? It goes slowly, slowly, and then suddenly. Yeah. Slowly. But you can see the tea rooms will be bigger and the number of conferences will be bigger and the meetings take longer and nobody answers the telephone and you all leave at quarter to five and not five. So, so that, that happens because that's the culture that it brings. And it's nothing wrong because it's just two sets of of people that you, that you have. Is, I, I look at the secret of retail, and it is what a man called Sam Cohen yes. from OK had embroidered on a handkerchief, which I'm assuming you used to stick in his top pocket over here. And the letters are Y-C-D-B-S-O-Y-A, <laughs> yeah. which is? No, you read it out to the, to the audience. You can't do business sitting on your ass. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And, and, and did, I mean, you weren't, you, you already, I think, were operating in that way, but that must have affirmed your approach in terms of, because you're very active. Um, family holidays you would destroy regularly by going into, if you were in Pata Noster and there was a shop right, you would go into the shop right and you would, yeah. for three hours, and the kids would sit in the car and wait. Um, because it is the drive that you had personally to walk the floor and to make sure that everything was right. You can ask any, uh, he said I must look this way sometimes as well because it's bad. bad. The, cheap, the cheap seats, they, yeah. It is bad manners if I don't, this is a lovely lady so I won't look at you after. I don't blame <laughs> you. Uh, I think anybody that's been in retail understands the situation that when you are in retail it involves a hell of a lot of humdrum work long hours, and it, you actually get, every day you lose a bit of your brain power. So you have to pump it up with reading, etc. So it is really a unique uh, type of, of career. And, and I, I practice as an accountant as well. So, so I know that I've felt both sides of it. And, and I think it's just vital that it's there. I mean, if you speak to Raymond, Raymond at his age now still goes to board meetings. Yeah. He goes to board meetings. They must love that. No, <laughs> Carol says it's fantastic, but he's, he's on the right pages in any yeah. event. So, it's, it's, it's there. But, but so, so what makes Ackerman different to the guys, the other guys in the trade? He's, he's just a bloke that enjoys simple things, looks at that and says, listen, change that. People used to think he was this really sweet little man who would go and push the trolley out to the, to the car for the, for the ladies. And no, no. He was gathering intelligence. He was, no, no. By the time they got there, they didn't have any clothes on their no, backs he, anymore. He's a, he's a, he was the smartest retailer 
uh, Rainier was the smartest retailer I bought. Okay. And I think Raymond was number two of retailers that I knew on a daily basis that I pushed arms with, etc. And, and I say this with, with that, uh, when Raymond, when the kids became, I think in the book I talk about first, and I did some other place, first generation, second and third generation. So, yeah. um, Raymond was a wealthy guy, so that story that he started with 20 cents in his pocket is not factually correct. <laughs> Didn't tell you what he had in his boot of his car. <laughs> <laughs> was he a member of the ANC? No, no, no just second. But uh, the, the, the Ackermans, uh, there's a crowd called Ackerman Stores as well, so yes. remember that. AC so, Kermans, yes. AC Kermans. So, so he, he's, he's one of the guys who came from a wealthy family and really started doing basic things right to build up that company, yeah. which is built up on his, literally on his own. Mm-hmm. As people give you the credit for ShopRite. How important was Christo in the process? Now, Christo is, is not a retailer, so let's start off with that. He's, a, he's, he's got a very good retail brain, doesn't like being on the floor, doesn't like too many people around him, but as a corporate thinker, he's probably the cleverest guy I've worked with in that area of the world. So when we look into a deal, then he looks at all the graphs, etc., etc., we move that to that, then the price goes up. And there's, you know, not the price of rice, the price of, um, of the shares. So he was always driven as a corporate guy. Uh, the fact that they call him a big retailer is just a misnomer. He invested in retail stocks. Yeah. But in that, he is very, very good. But doesn't like detail, doesn't like working on, on that type of thing at all. So he once said to me, he, said, he told a story of your son. And you said oh, to your son, he said, what do you want to be one day? And he said, I want to be like Worm Christo. <laughs> and he said, why do, I, why do you want to be like Worm yes, Christo? It's true. He says, because you do all the work and he makes all the money. money. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That was my second son, yeah. He wants to be like him. Christo does no work and he makes all the money. You work your arse off and you don't make money. But you did okay. I mean, there was a fair amount of... I was reading some stuff yesterday as well. That one of the, the chief critics of your salary was uh, the then chief executive of the Public Investment Corporation. Brian Molefe. A young man called Brian Molefe, yeah. He of the, the ESCOM pension fund. Um, yeah. I got Anne Crotty to write that I was underpaid. You saw that in the book. <laughs> Absolutely. But Brian Molefe, and that's true, I sent him a message to say that I don't lecture full-time anymore. But I am open between five and six in the afternoons if he wants to know the difference between a salary and a bonus. I can teach that to him. <laughs> Did you get a response? No. <laughs> I didn't tell it to him. You know, you, and those guys, you tell it to the bloke right at the back because you know he's sitting at the back because it's Brian Spell. Yeah. So, very good. What was it about Marcus Eusta that you knew was rotten? I, I really didn't know anything about Marcus Huerster's dealings or wheelings or whatever. I, I disliked the fact that he was extravagant on himself. I could never work out if it was his company's money or his own money. And he had a, a way of... Christo can laugh at himself. He's, he's an 
ordinary bloke. Sometimes he's quite common. You know, you know what I mean? Is he? Yeah. <laughs> good to know. He comes from Uppington. <laughs> okay, you're a good point. He learned to speak English <laughs> on the way in. <laughs> But Wester is, is, a, is a bloke that, that uh, I think he has an air about him. If he has a yacht on the med, then his yacht is bigger than anybody else's yacht. And, and I could just never see that, that it worked, that he was a guy capable of running the empire that he was controlling. So I said to Christo, it's impossible. It can only be the law that can run a diversified business like that and make a success out of it. So that was my criticism of him. I never saw him. I never saw him doing anything wrong. I never saw him, and I, I'm still not convinced that they say he could have cooked the books and all sorts of things like that. I, I'm I'm still not convinced on that one because in a big company it's still very difficult. And if it's true, then they must give us a PwC report to read. So, so I don't, cannot tell you that that is something wrong, but I can say that uh, things like going to the rugby and spending uh, 80 million rands or whatever the numbers are, you would know better, on a rugby trip and my mates go and they had nothing to do with, with Steinhoff and they go on a trip and I ask Christo who paid for it and he says Marcus paid for it. The next week I ask him who paid and he says no, the blokes paid themselves. And the only bloke that I know that paid for himself was, was uh, Gigi Ferreira. Yeah, well he insisted on paying for himself, didn't hmm? he? He insisted on paying for himself. He said you can take this check if you don't want to give it to charity. Yeah. But that's the only one that I know. So, so it's but, a, but an example of that, though, I mean, an executive who shall remain nameless was in his office the one day, and one of his colleagues came in late. He said, oh, why are you so late? He said, oh, no, I've just come back from England. Oh, what? No, I went shooting. Oh, that's nice. Um, who took you? I know, went with Marcus. I said, now oh, we've got these purdy shotguns, and we've got these... Yeah. Uh, no, and it was like, um, hell of a trip. And this executive then just... Oh, that's very interesting. Thank you very much. And he went, phoned his broker and said, please sell all my standoff shares. Because if that's how he treats shareholders' money, um, you know, I don't want to be invested. Thank you very much. And it's I a similar was, instinct. I was not that close to him. In fact, I never... They say he had a girlfriend and she looked quite good looking when they showed... You know, in these photographs, you can open it wide and close it. You know what? No. I've never... I must show you how to do it. See, okay, it's, thank it's, you. It's <laughs> I you want to look at her head, you can open just the Okay, 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 okay. But I never knew if he had that girl. She was very good looking. So I would have liked to have met him on his beach days as well. But, but uh, no, I, 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 I don't have but any... There was, but operationally, you were looking at his operations, as you did when you were looking at acquisitions. Useless. You Useless. were looking at acquisitions, you saw bad Useless. operations. Bad, you looked at his bad. operations, you went, there's no way that the valuation that's attributed to this thing is because of the, what's going on in those stores all over the world. I did work with Sunlam to say what is the valuation. I gave it to Christo. I, I looked at his footwear business, gave it to Christo, took photographs. And I, of that I, I knew quite a bit because I worked with Renier on it and he mm. taught me that on the ground floor. And just nobody took notice that the, the meetings were... I mean, if you look at the, it's like I said to Christo one day, he was the chairman of KWV or something, I said to him, you know what's the only thing bigger than KWV's profits? And he says, no, I said, your board. 
We must be careful about KWB. No, don't use it. We don't. Housewives of the Devane London. I was going to say to you. Everybody knows. I was going to say to you after this, I hope you give a fame class with KWB. When Christo comes to you and he says, you know what we're going to do? Marcus is going to buy ShopRite. And then you could report to Marcus. What was your immediate response? <laughs> and, it, and maybe, maybe edit for the church. I don't know. But uh... <laughs> I nearly don't him. <laughs> I was so cross. But he didn't say it like that. Christos, okay. Christos never ever done to me that you report to that one. Yeah, you, yeah. I, I said, I report to the board in general for any company. I don't report to anybody. Then I wouldn't work. So I must be honest that he never went and said, you must do it. But I mean, the structures that were drawn meant that he would control Pepco, ShopRite through the what's-his-name, and Christo would control the holding on top. And he says, but I'm here. I said, and when you're dead, what must I do? Must I throw you into the beach of the Clifton flat? I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, must, he's still alive. I can't say things like that. I just read it in the papers, but who's the owner of the papers here? So, <laughs> anyway, uh, I was cross because Christo couldn't understand what I told him about the operations. And in fact, I offered to take, I, I said to him, when, he, when they built this place in the Strand, Poco or something, I went there one day and I said, Christo, this is a, this is a design to, to make you bankrupt. You should go there. And I told him the whole thing. He never went there. Two weeks later, he says, he spoke to Marcus about it, and Marcus says, I'm totally wrong. That thing is doing substantially better than the budget. So he went and shoot the bastard who drew up the budget and, and left. So, so, so I never saw anybody, and that's what I said to you about boards. Mm. You, in ShopRite, I, I appointed... The current we are going to have to cut it there, but um, it was a fabulous discussion. It was a really lovely discussion with Whitey Busson at the Franchuk Literary Festival. Um, if there's appetite, contact me, and I'll see if anybody wants the whole conversation posted. We'll see what we can do. But it was a, a really good discussion. Whitey Busson, his book, Whitey, is available in stores.